Welcome to New Week, New Music, reviewing the hottest tracks with the hottest takes of 2021. My name is Brandon. I'm Eric. And I'm Ben. Each week, we're looking at two albums released in 2021. And at the end of the year, we'll rank and compare all 100 albums. And tonight, we are starting with a contender for best album title of the year with, for, with uh, Chemtrails Over the Country Club by Lana Del Rey. And we will conclude with To See the Next Part of the Dream by Paranol. Okay, so <laughs> we've had, our, at least I've had a contentious relationship with singer-songwriter albums on this show in the past. She has a beautiful voice. <laughs> that was a meme that was pointed out to me by these guys. Apparently, I always say that when, right before I'm about to shit on a singer-songwriter record. <laughs> Every time without fail. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of going to do the same thing. Uh, but does Lana Del Rey have a gorgeous voice? <laughs> she does. But I will say, I will say though, like in all honesty, this did it for me more than most singer-songwriter records have. Um, I do think this. I do think uh, Chemtrails has. Um, I, I think it's more Lana Del Rey, like has more of like a unique stamp on the singer songwriter genre than most other uh, singer songwriter albums that we've heard. So while the genre is still not particularly for me, I did like this one more than most. I, I see what you mean on the on the stamp uh, comment. I do yeah. think there's definitely a, a more you know. I guess artistic vision or or at least something that differentiates it a little more than others i will agree with you there this this to me came across as like deep music for people who don't listen to a lot of music <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair yeah uh i and I, I do think that's kind of something that plagues a lot of singer songwriter music um, well i mean it's it's again the same thing we were saying before how many songs have been written ever and if what 90% of what you're presenting is the quality of the songwriting, it's going to be really hard to stand out against the entirety of human history. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, if, if you don't have something else like crazy instrumentally going on, I mean, it is kind I mean, of a barrier to this kind of music. I mean, you got to be like Neil Young levels of songwriting ability to, to pull it off. Otherwise, you just blend into the, into the mire. I will say, I think uh, the features on this album really stood out in a very positive way on the album. Uh, I really liked uh, Nikki Lane's uh, feature on Breaking Up Slowly, which was probably my favorite song on the track. And of course, I love my girl Wise Blood uh, on the closing track. Um, so, but uh, and but is that like a good thing that like the best? songs no. off the album were no, songs no, with a feature on it no i was gonna not say really not why are you gonna a... why are you gonna do yourself dirty and end the album on wise Blood after sounding pretty good the whole album and then she comes in and sounds amazing for the last minute and it's like why would you do yourself like that like i will say it was really nice hearing a wise blood feature that didn't sound completely washed out by all the production like yeah. when she featured off of a. it was the killers right yes yeah and, and um, this that this feature was the the production highlight on this album for me. Mm -hmm. Her yeah. her voice and the vocal production there was so clear. It was so upfront in the mix, in my face. So it's like, and and I didn't get that a lot on the rest. Twenty twenty one has been a really weird year for like buried vocals, which to me is like a cardinal sin of most popular genres. 
And it's I like, say, I don't I know think, why that's been. I think at least with Lana, she kind of goes for that. That's why she does like this really like whispery singing voice. Um, like she kind of wants the voice to be hidden, but it's a singer songwriter record or singer songwriter genre. And it just so kind of goes against each other. The thing that I wonder is, is it a case where a lot of these 2021 albums were recorded in home studios or smaller locations in 2020 and didn't get the production time I mean, or maybe. space that they deserved? Is it a case where people didn't have as many ears on the mix? And so it got, cause, cause I think one of the things that's really, uh, really common is people tend to not like the sound of their own voice. And so if you do your own mixing or you you're heavily involved in that process, uh, you tend to push your own voice lower in the mix. It's also a problem with familiarity where, uh, if you know what words are being saying, um, you automatically pick up on them because you know the lyrics. And so you don't need as much volume to make them legible. And so I think that's another thing where people don't push the vocal as forward as they need to because they're it's more legible to them knowing the lyrics ahead of time. And so for a listener, it becomes harder. And so you, you remedy that by having a lot of ears on the mix. And so I just wonder if that's something that didn't happen because this is a problem I've heard on a lot of albums this year. And it's like for pop production, it's like the kick drum and the vocal need to be up in your face. That That's the whole song. Everything else is secondary, right? That's a really good theory. Um, I I have no idea if there's anything like any evidence of that, but I have noticed the same thing, and that's a really good theory. Um, I have no idea who or where this was produced. Um, but yeah, that would be kind of interesting to to see if there's like any like truth to that. Well, so I've started doing that is because because I I keep hearing this, and so I keep going like. Like Lana Del Rey, these people hire big name guys. There's no way they're not hiring big. So I, I've been Googling the production credits on some of these albums and trying to piece together, you know, who mixed this, who mastered this. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they are pretty, pretty common names. But but one of the themes that I hear a lot is scaling back of the production team. I've seen this mm -hmm. on a lot of them where they say, yeah, originally they were going to have this big production team and they went with one producer in the end because of COVID or something like that. And right. so that, that's where I've kind of started putting this together is I wonder if there's not quite as much uh, like beta testing of these albums, so to speak. Hmm. It's a kind of interesting tangent, but I've just like I've I've complained about the vocal not being forward in the mix enough times already this year. Yeah, that I I'm feel like you've said that on at least every episode this year. Well, and it, it's gotten to the point where I'm like, A, being these, like, I'll put on an album and I'm like, there it is again. I, like, I'm like, is there something wrong with my room? I'm, I'm, I'm putting on headphones. I, and it's like, no, for the most well, part, the room, it, it the does room doesn't matter, Eric. This it's, music. it's how much money you spend on the system. Well, uh, I mean, obviously. <laughs> you just need to spend more money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to get a room with big windows and no treatment and then like double my monitoring budget. Yes, absolutely. In well, <laughs> 7.2 surround sound. <laughs> oh, God. But um, but no, in all seriousness, so that is a really interesting thing that I hadn't even considered, but logically makes a lot of sense. And It's like pseudoscience you see on the internet. It sounds right when you hear it, but you don't know yeah. if it's actually correct. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Ben, you've been You're a little not quiet. 
Yeah, so well, far, what, first what are of all, your opinions on this? Let me respond to I don't know if Eric was going for a subtle implication there, but if you're implying that chemtrails are pseudoscience, then frankly, sir, you need to educate <laughs> yourself. <laughs> God damn it, Ben. I, I, for, for some Ray reason, like has spent, my uh, whenever I think about the chemtrails, my arm where I got the COVID shot starts to hurt and my brain goes fuzzy and I want to buy a surface tablet. With Windows 10, you know? That's one of the effects. Windows 10 people... is the uh, operating system for getting things done. <laughs> oh, I was a little sad that there was not more, like, crazy, whack-ass internet conspiracy theories on an album titled yeah, no, Chemtrails. I feel like, yeah, I feel like everyone just throw really in the word Chemtrails just to sell the sell their albums, and I want more uh, more um, Sky uh, stream I thought Lana was going to speak the truth. Content. I thought she was too. You know what? It's a breadcrumb for anyone who's interested in the truth. They can dig a little deeper themselves. God, this is, I've never before have I debated, like, do I want this on the podcast more than I am right now? To be fully clear, we're taking the piss out of this. Yes. (laughs) Well, you guys may be, but I'm, I'm, I can assure you I'm Ben's got to stay ambiguous. Keep that intrigue going. (laughs) We really um, take off by that. Yeah, I actually, seriousness, Ben. Speaking of takeoff, the planes that go into the I'm, sky and spew the <laughs> mind altering. All right, uh, it was a decent <laughs> album. It was a decent album. Uh, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. Oh, let me just punch my mic. Um, I'm with you for the most part. Um, it's a little more interesting than most singer songwriter um, efforts, but I wasn't blown away by it. But I don't really have many strong opinions here. Um, I think there were moments that were pretty interesting. uh, And there were moments that maybe fell into kind of the more, you know, just traditional run-of-the-mill kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if I have a ton to say, really. Um, I liked... I I don't know. I mean, I liked... Like, the first song, I I really liked the vocals. I liked how they were kind of... um, You you liked the super heavy whisper? Yeah, but not just... Not the whispering, but it was like a strained whisper where it sounded like, like, it was just more interesting to me. It wasn't just, oh, pretty high-pitched vocals. It was like there was something a little meatier there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I liked kind of the contrast between the whisper, but the the really, like, like she's trying to hit the notes, but it still sounds really good. Like, it's not like a, it doesn't sound forced. But uh, So I like the vocal delivery on that. I thought that was a good touch. Um, but I think the album did kind of become a little bit cookie cutter in certain parts. Like there was a track called not all who wander are lost. And I felt like that was just like the Sonic, the Sonic version rings references. That was just like the Sonic version of a bumper sticker you'd see on a Prius or something. If you're titling a song that in 2021, just cut it from the album. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, that is the exactly. most cliche, you know, it's that and the song titled Rain with just your voice and acoustic guitar. Both of those just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that but was the probably the low point I, of the album for me was that. that I mean, track. honestly, everything from Chemtrails Over the Country Club to Yosemite just kind of blends into one amalgamation yeah. of singer-songwriter. See, and, and interestingly yeah. enough, that is exactly the same kind of comment I had where I, I, I found the, the weird strained whisper thing at least interesting on White Dress to start it out. And mm-hmm. uh, starting with Breaking Up Slowly and, and Dance Till We Die, like we got that more present vocal. We got some of the features with Wiseblood that were, you know, pretty stellar, I think. And and so those tracks were the, the kind of the standouts to me. Um, some other, other stuff I caught, like... Um, 
dark, but just a game. I liked that there was a little more going on instrumentally. Felt mm -hmm. a little bit more full, and, and that just adds some interest, which is nice to have in the middle of an album like this. You know, get something with a little bit more pace, a little bit more ear candy going on. Uh, right. So I, I, I like that. Um, I kind of like the the build up to the chorus on Tulsa Jesus Freak as well. I thought that was a cool writing moment, how they kind of built into it. Um, and, and so the, the reason I, I kind of just, you know, bullet points and listing these is, is these are the kind of things that to me made it a little better than a, a, a traditional kind of just very one dimensional singer songwriter album. Uh, because there were these little moments where I, I did get some enjoyment out of it, you know, with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just those kind of little ear candy moments that are like, yeah, this is some, some cool stuff for somebody who is, again, admittedly not a fan of the genre. Yeah, and what, yeah that, one that's, thing, all, that's yeah, exactly ahead, how I feel. Like, it, it has, like, these few moments here and there, just like you mentioned. Um, I, I honestly don't really think I could point out another one that you didn't mention, but... Um, yeah, and it, it did kind of break the monotony. Uh, and uh, who did we... Uh, Cassandra Jenkins. Uh, she had a few similar uh, things like that. Of the two, I did like this one considerably more. Um, and I'm not entirely sure why. Oh, I had, I had Cassandra Jenkins way higher than this one. Yeah, I definitely prefer Miss mm. Jenkins. But, but that but I, is I, just going to be yeah, a... I'm a I'm more of a fan of the instruments and styles she used in the backing. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, if you you remember back to the Cassandra Jenkins, I really didn't have right. So that that's not surprising. Much of anything to say, really. It doesn't doesn't terribly shock me. Um, I oh I did want to ask. I I just noticed this. Uh, was Wild at Heart about Princess Diana? I didn't uh, pick up on that, but which I'm one really was Wild bad at, at Heart? The, uh, the fifth, fifth track. track. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so bad at discerning lyrics I unless just, I have I caught, them like in front I of me. That some line about like a car or something that like I'm like it just made me like, huh? Is that what that's about? I'd have to read the lyrics. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't go back to them. Like this, <laughs> it, it wasn't that. This album didn't interest me enough to read the lyrics. Like just so I'm not gonna. To our listeners, listen for yourself and decide. Is the fifth track yeah. about Princess Diana? And yell at us on Twitter. That's your listeners. <laughs> if you listen to this album in its entirety backwards, you'll find out some stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more. Do your own research. Oh my god. <laughs> god, no, but, like that's gold. But I also really don't want to put that in the episode. <laughs> If you guys oh. disagree with me, just just fire me. I mean, I I will die on this hill for speaking the truth. Oh, the God. people need to know, man. This is a public service announcement. We at New Week New Music do not endorse any of the wild conspiracy theories joked about on this episode. If you or any member of your household listen to these humorous japes and experience thoughts such as, "Yeah, man, keep speaking that truth." Please consider educating yourself via a source that is not a private Facebook group. Thank you for your attention. So one thing I don't get about Lana is why she seems to uh, stimulate such wildly like different responses and, and such uh, uh, such ire and love. So no, so so all it's across the spectrum. It's because she's in a very specific place popularity wise where She's just obscure enough to feel like you're digging deep into weird 
not off the shelf music, but she's still a big enough name that top 40 listeners have heard of her. Right. And, and I, I don't say this to like knock her or anything like that, but it puts her in an awkward position where I don't think Lana Del Rey is a, like a top 40 radio instantly recognizable kind of name, but she's like immediately she's under that. I, and yeah. yeah. It's, it's just right. below that, but, but it's not like radio bangers style of music. There is something a little bit deeper going on there. You know, that, the writing is more involved. It, it is, you know, I, I kind of jokingly said it's like deep music for people that don't listen to a lot of music. But w- what I was kind of getting at with that is it's it's a very good kind of first step out of extremely basic radio pop. And and so it's I think- kind of like um, we've said about it's going to be really weird, but we've said about like Radiohead and Kanye in the past where it's like, um they can appeal to both people that are into, you know, deeper, weirder music and the top 40 stuff. Right. right. I, She's I, in I a actually, similar spot. I think Radiohead and Kanye are a great comparison for this because it's like, and I think that's why there's so much controversy about it is because I could see somebody coming from a listening to Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and being bored by this. Or I can see someone coming from Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and being like, wow, this is really deep this is really uh, you know a little bit more involved than the usual music i'm used to hearing and then i can hear people coming from like people like us that listen to a lot of music that are like yeah this is kind of generic and so it 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 you you when you get a really diverse audience you're going to expect that you're going to be really polarizing i think yeah but i and like, it just goes to such crazy levels like i was reading the reviews on this and the first and this is just random user reviews and like the first one i read was like Get this bullshit away from my eardrums. And then <laughs> See, the one, I, I just can't imagine feeling that angry about music. Like I know. Like, it's I just and then, so. That's such like, a bad take. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's, like, this it's is, is such a pleasantly cracker music album. for boring old white people. Get it away from me. We and then save the one that below for it was like, and Green Days of the World, <laughs> not for Lana Del Rey. <laughs> not for Lana Del Rey. And then the one below it was like in, in actual italics, enthralling, breathtaking. Like, why are you guys having these feelings? I don't get it. See, Here's I understand my favorite. that way more than, you know, visceral anger. Yeah, but it's also not. Like, if this is, if you consider this enthralling, like, I mean, it sounds, it doesn't seem like you've listened to much if, if this is like the peak of of Sonic Beauty. I don't well, know. And another okay, thing, I did find my... Ben gets the award for most pretentious thing said on the show so far. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm digging my own grave tonight. That's my goal. I'm trying to get fired. But, but uh, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite review so far, I just stumbled across this a few minutes ago. Uh, one and a half stars out of five. Lana is just anal backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst take I've ever heard in music. <laughs> It is factually correct, however. You it is. Yes, it. it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I think an int- another interesting kind of like halfway point that she's put herself into is because admittedly, we're not big on singer-songwriter. I, I don't think any of the three of us are like big fans of the genre, but um, Sarah is quite a bit. She listens to a lot of that kind of stuff. And so from that perspective, the reason she likes a lot of that music so much is because she likes to sing. She likes songs that she can sing along to, and, you know, they're a lot of fun, and I think Lana kind of prices herself out of that category a little bit here, too, with some of the vocal performances that are a little different, like the the kind of the weird whispery type, like, y- you can't 
really sit sit down and sing along to this too, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I think it again puts you in a kind of strange spot audience-wise that, that might get people kind of like, huh, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. I feel like I, uh, if I were into this, uh, even not being into it, there were a few times I think like I could, you know, sing along, but I don't know. Like, it's not really for me, so. I mean, I'm if I want to do that, I just listen to Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ben's, Ben's speed running attracting the kind of internet followers you don't want. Yep. I'm trying to grow our numbers. <laughs> By any means necessary. All right, let's move on so Ben will finally stop talking about conspiracy theories. Uh, unless any of you guys have anything to say besides Ben, you, you don't get to talk. It's time to court the Koreaboo crowd. Oh, yes. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, though, we are... Uh, 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 next up, we have uh, To See the Next Part of the Dream by a Korean band that we think is called Paranol. That's, that's what the Bandcamp page says, so yeah, we're going to go uh, with well, that. Well, at least that's how we think it says. Um, I have no idea what its <laughs> Does actual this, pronunciation is. Did we is. actually listen to this? Did we all share the same dream? <laughs> So this is uh, kind of an interesting one for me because this might be like one of the smallest reasons I've ever disliked an album. The fucking symbol on this album makes me want to kill myself. Like but the, other the than that, sound? I think I enjoyed this album. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> were, you, were you getting like a Deftones uh, com- comparison or something like that or just like annoyed you? I don't... It's like everything else, the whole sound production style was to make all the sounds blend as much as possible. Right. And then you had the And then just this fucking that, symbol is just yeah. way out and with nothing else. And it like and it's constant. It's throughout the whole album. And I could not stand I got so tired of it. It's funny because I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it sounded I take that to mean you enjoyed this album. I actually did enjoy this album. Ben? I think I enjoyed it, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it blew me away. I think it started off pretty interesting, and and it did kind of blend together throughout for me. Um, So my memory of it is just kind of like a hazy, you know, shoegazy, just kind of miasma of sound that's that's pretty, but also a little unsettling and a little kind of depressing sounding so i think like the overall sound of the album was interesting to me but the fact that i can't really name much specifically shows that either i need to listen to it again or maybe it just wasn't that great all right eric you seem to be most positive yeah i mean so i mean right off the bat there's the sound of the album which is kind of trashy kind of lo-fi um but very intentional and and yeah i'll absolutely give it that and it's intentional in in kind of two ways. Um, one of it is one of them is just the branding, right? You know, he's selling it on cassettes in the in the album right up on Bandcamp. He talks about the the indie sound, the lo-fi kind of sound, and uh, and then there are moments on the album, um, like in the first track, "Beautiful World." There's uh, some piano lines that are recorded very cleanly, uh, you know, very crisp and clear, and so. For me, there's enough, like, 
I did not have to dig. I went to the Bandcamp page and I listened to the album and I got enough intentionality to the sound that it's like, yeah, this is fully... This isn't like he's got a shit recording budget. It's like, no, he wants to sound like this. And so right off the bat, that's that's a huge bonus. Is Honestly, that like, I think that's very clear, even just listening to the album. Yeah, oh, um, I, I agree. I think the keys are there in the listening. And then on top of that, there's like other stuff. That you see, it's like it, it makes it very apparent. And I I think this is really interesting, too, because for, for some reason, the idea of Korean indie music is just super appealing to me. Um. In kind of the same way that any like, particular reason, yeah, because because uh, the Korean music industry is so washed, you know, it's mm -hmm. all so like when when singers in Korea sign up to be part of these K-pop acts and stuff, they literally sign away the rights to their persona, like their their artist identity is owned by the company. It's so polished; they've all got plastic oh. surgery. It's I all didn't know pristine. That polished every note every auto-tuned second every millisecond i mean everything about korean i mean music and entertainment is one of the biggest exports of korea it's i mean it's a humongous part i mean bts registered as a huge part of their economy last year like and but because of that it's extremely corporate extremely polished i mean like literally they've all had plastic surgery it's wow. crazy the perfectionism and so that there's kind of this like underground shoegazy rock scene that's coming out and like fuck all that i'm gonna sound like i recorded this on an eight track like i, I mean, love in that. america in america our artists our yeah. artists get their own botched plastic surgery on, our, on their own volition yeah we <laughs> they don't have to in america but but uh there's something super appealing to me about the fact that like and like, I mean, it's one of those kind of no shit moments. Like, obviously there are people making music from the heart in a non-corporate environment and stuff. It, it, like, no shit. Of course there are. But this is kind of we my first exposure to We typically don't hear what that is unless you're out. Right. Unless you're like physically in the scene. And You and, typically don't hear stuff like that. And this is probably the biggest time, too, that like the artist's statement about the album has grabbed me in that way, too. Because, um... He talks a lot about trying to recreate his introduction to the like Korean indie music scene. And like it just kind of works for me because this is the first time I've heard something out of Korea that is indie like this and, and produced like this. And so it's kind of like I can really see like I, I really connected with what he's talking about hearing his his first indie artist and wanting to make music like that and stuff because it's like just by sheer luck of the draw, I'm having that experience right now with this artist. Well, so it's I like, mean, that I was think super that, that's cool. That's just a, a really relatable um, experience in general for for most people. Like, everyone has their favorite genre. I mean, like for me, you know, like our favorite genre is metal. And like, I remember those times, like when I first heard, you know, Black Sabbath, when I first heard Metallica. And it's like, oh, my God, this is the music I've always wanted to hear. And even like now looking back, you know, even though it's not the same thing, I still remember yeah, that feeling and how great of a feeling that is when you really stumble onto something that really resonates with you. And then, I mean, I just kind of like shoegaze music in general, too. Um, it's a little bit cleaner, I think, typically when I've listened to it in the Which States. Which to me is hilarious to hear. <laughs> Like, um, this is a little cleaner than most shoegaze. No, 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 no. The, no, the, the, the shoegaze I'm used to hearing in the States is oh, way cleaner okay. than this. Oh, um, okay. I got it backwards. It's a little bit closer to like, um, think like Animals as Leaders, Periphery kind of style stuff, but but a little bit more washed out sounds. But it's very, you know, eight string guitars, but very kind of clean, precise tones a lot of times. 
you know, you're talking $700 for a reverb pedal kind of tones. So hearing it in a lo-fi sense was, was pretty cool as well. And I don't, I mean, maybe that's common. It's not a genre I listen to a lot, but I've heard enough that it was like, I was familiar with some of it. So that was kind of neat. Uh, as far as like shoegaze goes, I'm pretty much the opposite. The only, really the only shoegaze I've listened to extensively uh, would be My Bloody Valentine, both mm-hmm. right. uh, Loveless and the, the follow-up, which I think is just a self-titled. Um, and I don't particularly like it. And I feel like with shoegaze, if you don't like Loveless and My Bloody Valentine, not really anywhere else yeah. to go for That's it. It's kind of the poster child of the genre, yeah. right? And, and again, I that's mean, my only, my pretty much only uh, familiarity with the genre is that yeah. as well. And um, but I love my body belt. But uh, I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't really care for shoegaze then. This didn't particularly change that either. But one thing I will say, um, it's a feeling with a, a feeling I had with this album is very unlike most other feelings I, I get when listening to something, and. It's that I don't get this, and I, I. It's like I thought that might compete with what Ben said earlier for the most pretentious thing ever. Uh, ever, but um, it's kind of like when I listen to some to some Death Grips. I know everyone's op- opinions on Death Grips. They're one of the most you know popular acts in like the underground music. But when I listen to it, I'm like, okay, there's something here. Like they're they're doing something that's hidden underneath all these layers of you know production um you know for you know uh for paranormal and death grips that production is you know incredibly different on death grips it's just you know compression and distortion and this it's a lot of a lot of reverb and a lot of other things uh but um it's there i i feel like i know there's something underneath all of that but i don't get it like i i feel like there's something there but I don't understand. All right. Yeah, that and it's it's kind of a weird thing. So like, I'm definitely going to be coming back to this to see if it ever makes sense to me. But I'll be coming back to this one a lot. I feel like I really have not fully fleshed out how I feel about it. But uh, I did actually just, I just read the, the few paragraphs on Bandcamp, which Eric was talking about. I had not read them um, originally, but actually having read that i think sonically it makes a ton of sense yeah it's it's like a a couple of the yeah like a couple of things i picked up on were like isolation gloominess um you know you have like the the overtones of like the more energetic percussion but everything else just seems so kind of hazy and depressive to me and and reading the um explanation it 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 really seems to accomplish that like like for the for people who aren't going to go look this up that the gist of it is it's like it's kind of about the the artist's feelings of transitioning almost from like young adulthood into like full-blown adulthood where like you're kind of staring down some responsibility and like yeah maybe i can't just fuck around and try and be a famous musician anymore or like maybe like maybe i shouldn't or i kind of am facing the fact that that's never going to happen for me and it's kind of like kind of tr- like it's, it's it's about like growing up but in the like I don't want to go kind of way, you know, where you're kind of like, it's that weird, like half nostalgic, half a reluctant, like, I don't really want to become a responsible adult, but circumstances are forcing me in that direction. And it's, I don't know, like, I, I mean, maybe I cheated for reading that blurb before I listened to it, but I really picked up on 
kind of what he was expressing there. No, I, I picked up on it as well, and I I listened to this twice. The first time I listened to it was before reading that. And I remember, like, the first time I listened to it, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway I had from the album was the album feels nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. really does. A huge thing that he talks about in, uh, in like, the, these blurbs, like a, a nostalgia for, you know, a time when you didn't have to be responsible or... You know, nostalgia for a time when he was, you know, first being introduced to the style of music. So I, I do think he did a really, really good job of displaying his ideas and his thoughts and his emotions. This is probably the most I've picked up on the emotional tones of a album that I don't speak the language for. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Usually that I lose a lot in the translation there. For, for whatever reason, with this one, I... I didn't care that I don't speak Korean, which is like, that's usually something that I complain about on and and not to the fault of the artist, but at all. I mean, it's, that's my fault for being an ignorant white boy who speaks only English, but uh, for whatever reason, this one, I I didn't have that gap kind of, and it was like, oh, that's interesting, which I, yeah, so much is construction, I think just tonally mm-hmm. here. Um, I'm trying to think back to like the other like foreign language music we listened to last year. We listened to a lot of really good foreign language oh, yeah. music. Yeah, Dr. Yeah, Braca comes to it. mind, Anticaraman, uh, uh, the Lido Mexican Pimienta, folk. Clopelga, uh, yeah, Lido, uh, Lido. Lido. I mean, yeah, we, we yeah, listened yeah, to a lot of it, and I would say on most of those, I mentioned, you know, like, I'd love to understand what they were saying. I think we said that on every single one. It's like, here, I... I don't feel that way. Like, I kind of feel like I got the message, even if I'm not understanding the lyrics. Kind of in the same way with, like, like a lot of, like, say, black metal, where I listen, I have no fucking clue what they're saying, but it's like, yeah, but I got, I think I got out of it what I meant, was meant to get out of it either way. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, that's cool. I mean. And also, I it does, um, it's another, like, really good example of, like, listening Listen to the vocals as an instrument, not necessarily as vocals. Yeah. Um, right. Now you don't Especially have with, to. With, with the lack of um, the lack of like distance and the lack of uh, separation between the different sonic elements, everything was kind of a nice, you know, like big put together. Uh, not a mess is the wrong word, but like there was very little distinction, and so I think that also helped it all, you know, become like one statement rather than that does take me vocals, back to my biggest the, complaint on this album that which is the simples. <laughs> this guy, I just I hated I how they sounded. I didn't notice that either. so much. I, I will say I liked this album a lot more on speakers in a room than I did on headphones. Um, the washed out sense. sound works a little better to me when it's got a little more time to develop. Uh, I will say that I need to do that. I only did it on headphones. I need to like actually put this on. I have a, uh, I think I have a contender for a, an end of the year superlative off this album, being Ooh. best musical use of alarm clock. <laughs> Dude, I was about to. I've been waiting this whole episode to mention that. <laughs> I straight up thought. I straight up thought there was like maybe like a twenty percent, thirty percent of me that thought that after those alarm clock noises, it would just be verbatim Pink Floyd's time. <laughs> like that, if that was the case that would be like the best musical troll all year I, I'm just thinking like you know with the album title being about the dream and then you're like 
kind of like giving up on the childhood dreams and it's very dreamy washed out music and then he hits you with the alarm clock it's like bro why are you doing this to me <laughs> i have to get up tomorrow morning why do you make why are you making me oh, feel this way <laughs> and it's like like the beginning of part of the album too it's not it, even like the, the deep-seated dread of the alarm clock in adult life is like Oh, it's awful. And I was going to say, too, like, that kind of ties in. Like, I felt this whole album was kind of a stressful listen. It was, I, like, constantly had that, like, grating no, God, element to it. God, my ears were so was... tired after this album. Oh, well, I'm like, not talking sonically. I'm just talking, like, the mood of it. Oh, I'm talking sonically. My ears oh, are okay. so tired at the end of this. I mean, maybe that, too, but I think it, like, I think it's really well done in that regard. Like, it, it's it's such a kind of dist not disturbing in the conventional sense but it was disturbing a little bit in the way where i'm like he's talking about being a student i think this guy is younger than me and he's feeling this way and it's making me feel really old and really washed out working a corporate <laughs> nine to five job and i'm like oh <laughs> fuck <laughs> you have another reminder that i am old it well it's a very relatable album i, I think we're know, at the right regard, age like the for whole... this like kind yeah, of yeah like I've, I mean, I have no idea how how old um, this guy is. Our he sounds girl, young. Our it, band, I don't know. If reading the blurb says anything, I mean, I, this is total speculation, but he sounds young from the way he writes. But I don't know if that's... I, I would guess college. Um, yeah, I would say like 20s for sure, somewhere. God, it's, it's like... I, th I think it's like a almost to the day a year ago I bought a house. And this album makes me look at that in like a negative light, like, oh, I'm old. <laughs> uh, I've settled into the monotony of corporate adult God. life. I should have been a, I don't know. I don't know if you ever had any I music took one for the team own, and, and had a boring, boring career so that nobody had to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> that and may not necessarily be true if we, uh, if we do that cover we've been talking about. I'm going to try oh. to make it happen. Oh, we, we got to do it this year. We're... we're We'll be back in person at some point this year. We got to cover yeah. a song this I think year. We soon, have to actually. We we actually yeah. have a date for it now. Oh, uh, excited we, for that. Well, it'll be a very, very special episode. Don't uh, our our one listener out there? Don't don't you worry. Our first episode Ooh, here, in person will idea. be very special. I just had an idea. This could be a um, like a challenge for us, and also an answer to a hypothetical. Is it possible to recreate Metallica and Lou Reed's Lulu, make some tweaks, both lyrically and sonically, but keep the the main structure of the songs intact and make it a better album? Oh, absolutely. Not for me. It's yeah, possible. Like, I'm not, it's not, no, I'm not talented enough for that. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not asking for an answer now. I'm saying we we write it, we record it, and then we and then we let the audience decide if we did a better job. See, but I don't speak Russian, so I can't read the source material for Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I think that I think that's a I think that's a good thing. Like we need like a sound blurb for "Back to Lulu" again. God damn it, Lulu we and do. Kanye. We have to do another episode on Lulu. It's just no. Just get the small town girl and like <laughs> modify it so we don't get copyright struck. That. We Which got copyright happen. struck back when we did like little like samples from know, the albums you were reviewing little, little tiny like a year ago. And, yeah. There's no way we could redo Lutal and it. not get copyright struck. And if anybody's going to copyright strike you, it's going to be Metallica. 
Fucking Lars still wants Lars his Lars <laughs> Napster son of a bitch. All right, I'm going to take our uh, mindless rambling on Lulu. Yeah, that's clearly a sign. Lead that, uh, <laughs> we are done with tonight's episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but th- yeah, thank you all very much for listening to us ramble about one of the most rambleable albums of all time. And uh, reviewing some, I think, pretty interesting music this week. Definitely was a, a good nice week. uptake the last... I would. I'd pretty few. highly recommend Paranol. I would too. Yeah. I'd honestly. I'd I recommend too. both. Um, yeah. Definitely Paranol more than Lana Del Rey, though. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I would recommend Lana as well, but definitely check out Paranol. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it's been and, getting good reviews everywhere, so not a I mean, hot take really. I mean, even so is Chemtrails. So, but I mean, true. everyone loves Chemtrails, right? <laughs> Um, but yes, thank you all very much for listening and, um, please join me and Eric and not Ben next week. Cause he's not allowed back. <laughs> uh, I will join be, us uh, next week. I'll we take be, this as uh, a time to announce my new spinoff show. We're not going to be talking about music much. We're going to be talking about more important <laughs> things. What's going on in the world, man. <laughs> Open your eyes. <laughs> Is that the name of the show? Open your eyes. I'll show you. I'm not, you, you guys, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> we're part of the establishment man anyway uh next week we will be reviewing the comeback album from evanescence with uh, the bitter truth um i have cautious optimism about that one uh but not, another truth. album I'm very you heard it for is you the heard new, it from here uh shoo shoo album oh no um i will say shoo shoo is uh, an artist i've kind of struggled to get into in the past but i've always wanted to um so i'm very excited uh to hear it um you guys have anything to say about next week are you guys familiar with shushu or no i'm not i'm not with shushu i mean evanescence i'm familiar with obviously and it's like if they can they can capture even a little bit of that high school angst that'll be something (laughs) i think you mean middle school That band yeah. died yeah. The, the second we turned about 14. That was like the cutoff. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> they literally pulled her lyrics out of her middle school journal. I'm not kidding. Did they really? That oh was God. how they wrote a lot of their big hits was they took her oh. like middle school journal and set them to music. Oh. I mean, we were right... But right when you were in right middle school, for that God music damn it. There was a place and a time for that. And I am kind of glad we're past it, but I am very Oh, we ain't past it because we're coming see. back next week. And that's true. It, that is true. <laughs> we are willingly coming back for more. <laughs> anyway. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. Uh, so come back, join us uh, for that next week. And thank you very much. Have a good night. <laughs>